Welcome to Your Best Bets. Uh, last week on the show, we talked a lot about uh, the local golf scene, in particular, uh, Fort Wayne Golf Association five-man scramble that happened this last weekend. Uh, myself and Zach actually played in the event. We're going to talk about that tonight. We'll talk about John Rahm with his seventh PGA Tour win this past weekend in Mexico, perhaps getting his season back on track. Uh, we might even throw a little NFL drafts review Zach's perspective of the Colts, my perspective of the Bears, and preview this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Zach Fitzgerald is here. Zach, you know, it was really nice to actually see you in person um, this past weekend. Um, although I was disappointed you didn't match me in wearing white pants to the rainy uh, golf tournament on Saturday. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was driving there on Saturday and, and obviously excited about the tournament, you know, but also at the same time, I was thinking, you know, I've been doing this with you, I don't know, eight, nine, it may be a year now, I don't know, but uh, I had never met you in person. So to see you in person, and then you were wearing these kind of tightish white short or pants in, in what I thought was kind of predictable kind of a predicament really because the weather that we could be having so yeah uh yeah i mean it was good to meet you obviously in person and uh was obviously not difficult to talk to you as i've done it over you know skype multiple times but yeah great to meet you great to great to play the tournament uh how'd you feel about your round uh you know, it was hit and miss. It felt worse than it, the, the score showed. And sometimes golf can do that where you feel like you're playing terrible and you're like, oh, it's not not that bad. But two things. Number one, the white pants. I had already scripted the outfit like you've seen on Twitter with these guys in like a major week. It, the, the, the outfit was already scripted the whole week. Um, it was unfortunate that the, the forecast, I didn't really take that into consideration and I don't know if they were that tight. They were just a little bit fitted. So I don't want people to think I was wearing joggers or anything. I mean, that would be, that'd be, I'd be like Eric Van Royen, um, you know, with, with, with the, like the South African look. Um, but yeah, also nice to actually talk to you in person as we've been doing this a while. And um, uh, so now the next step is actually playing around of golf and uh, I can, mm-hmm. I can, I can experience the Zach Fitzgerald golf game. Um so let's get let's get into the five man a little bit. Um, you first of all, you played with the super team. I heard about this team early in the week, and I just said, "Oh my god, they can't lose!" Right? I mean, if we were talking about betting odds for this tournament, it would have been uh, that team versus the field, and they would have probably been you know the favorite minus odds. Mm-hmm. Correct? Uh, absolutely. So. On this team, you had the past two city champions and Rory Ransberg and Heath Peters. I had Kyle Pearson, who played at IUPUI and at one point was the pro at Autumn Ridge, uh, got his amateur status back, Uh, doesn't play a lot, but I can tell you watching him play, he still absolutely can play. Uh, Evan Rieke, who has been a player throughout the city for years, I think he got third in city when it was at Coyote, uh, shooting like a final round of 66 or 64 is one of those 
Yeah. Uh, and then Ryan Marquardt, who uh, is an excellent player, member at Riverbend. I believe he's a plus one. So, I mean, I think that I was texting with Kyle Pearson the day before, and I had said that I think that their total handicap was something like plus 17. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty sure Rory's like a plus six and a half. He's probably somewhere plus four, plus five ability-wise. Kyle's probably a plus two or three. And then I think Evan's a plus two or three and Marquardt's a plus one. So really uh, insane team to watch. Uh, you know, pretty much guaranteed that if one person didn't hit a good shot, that the other four were going to hit a good shot and to pick them up. And um, anybody that's played with Heath and Rory understand that they hit the ball unbelievably far like like tour mm-hmm. distance far when you say people hitting it over 300 yards most people are totally full of shit uh they are not <laughs> under any circumstance so i saw heath hit a drive on number 12 that i will say is the greatest drive i've ever seen in my life and it's hard to, to put that into perspective if you haven't played Riverbend, but the hole is an extremely dog leg to the left. And you're talking about trees that are 50, 60 feet high uh, and, and no more than 15 feet to your left when you're teeing off. And he hit a draw up over all those trees to like 50 yards off the green, which I sent a text message to Aaron who works at Riverbend the next day saying, still stunned by that until I saw it, didn't think it was possible. So those are some of my thoughts from watching them play. Uh, anything interesting happen in your round? Not really. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, my team had, had Johnny, of course, uh, you know, who's on the podcast winner of three of his events uh, prior week. And, you know, we, we played okay. Uh, you know, Johnny was obviously the ace of our team and, and we relied on him uh, a few times, put him in tough spots. He's pretty good at, at bailing us out, but we did, we just didn't make enough putts. Um, we ended up tied ninth, I believe, um, which, which I guess isn't a bad showing, but it, it didn't feel, it didn't feel great. Um, I was kind of disappointed with my play. Um, I, it's funny. I played Friday at Pine Valley. I think, uh, uh my brother and I played there and we, we played a two man scramble format, he and I, but I made five birdies, uh, or four birdies on, on basically what would have been my own, my own shot. So I was like, okay, I made a ton of putts. I felt really good going into Saturday and I think I contributed two eight footers and um ball striking was pretty hit and miss which could definitely be the story with my game but uh not yeah it was it was kind of just just average i guess and um yeah but so besides you being you know right there in the front row to watch the the, the winning team shoot a 57 your team what was the what was the story of the day we struggled we struggled pretty mightily um you know, we just could never really seem to get into a rhythm. Um, I would say, you know, none of us really played particularly well or up to our ability. Aaron played quite well. He burned lips the entire day. He was our last putter. We always kind of put pressure on him. And, you know, we had great putts, but they just didn't seem to fall for us. Um, it was it was a fun day getting to watch the other guys play. Playing with the guys that I played with uh, was a lot of fun. It wasn't the uh, result that we were hoping for, but you know uh, you're going to have that in golf. I mean, 
even Tiger Woods misses cuts every once in a while when he's in his prime. So uh, it, it happens. So, you know, uh, looking forward to next year, trying to redeem ourselves. And, uh, you know, always a fun event. Uh, golf course was beautiful. I mean, you and I were talking before the round that uh, that some of the pin positions were were fun uh, to me fun <laughs> to others maybe diabolical or but playing that golf course uh for the last five years often you kind of find out that yeah obviously those pin positions would be unfair in a single man situation right but there's a lot of tough pins there and once you kind of get over that fear of the greens it's not so bad yeah. um do you have any in particular that you kind of thought were more than others i do i, I want to go back to what Last, if anyone listened last week, we talked about how you you can play the five man at Riverbend and it's it's tough. And then Saturday you throw in a consistent fifteen to twenty mile an hour winds, and you're sitting on eleven t and you're playing about a two hundred thirty five yard shot uh, mm-hmm. over the water. Um, so there was a lot of those where you're like, oh shit, this this is a really hard shot. And then you might have hit a good drive, and then you're like, okay, well. We got a wedge in, but now I got to stick it into this bowl that's, you know, six feet around the cup. And if I don't, we're going to end up 50 feet away. That's Riverbend and that's Riverbend and the five man. Um, mm-hmm. It is a hell of a challenge. It, it, it's a fun challenge. though, like you said, uh, I specifically number four. Um, and I think we talked about this whole specifically how it's such a good short par four. Uh, we started on number three, which we thought was a tough start, but then we get to number four and we, I, I mean, I, I, I can unequivocally, unequivocally say it's maybe the toughest pin I've ever seen myself, not it, excluding like one of those big cup events where you can see pins like literally near the fringe or, or whatever. I mean, this, this pin was so difficult and anybody that's played for Riverbend knows that that green has um, a ton of intricacies to it, a lot of slope and a lot of multiple sections that you could really put a tough pin on. It was basically in the middle right side where, I mean, and when I talk about a mini bowl, it's such a small bowl, but if you end up what three feet left of the pin, you were probably down on the left fringe or left half of the green. Um, somehow the, the, the group we were paired with birdie that hole, I think they had about 20 footer, um, coming down the slope from the left side. I think you said uh, Heath and Rory's group also birdied it, but I, I couldn't believe it when we got up there. I told Johnny, I said, this is tougher than I've ever seen. Um, so that was one that stood out to me. You had your typical pin on nine where it's you know far into that right corner, mm-hmm. the expected ones. Um, 16 was incredibly tough. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll shout out Tim here. We were in the back of the green and he made about a 50 footer for birdie. And we thought it could have been a skin. Um, it was not of course, but mm-hmm. um, because you could really drive it down there pretty deep uh, on Saturday. That was downwind. Yeah. They moved the tees up. Yeah. yeah. And it was kind yeah. of, I, I said, Hey, we get close to the front of the green. I think we were about 50 yards short, but that pin was so, so tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple that stood out to me. Um, but there, it was just a lot of typical Riverbend pins in the five man. So when you're you were talking about eleven playing two thirty five to break your heart a little bit, Heath hit a six iron to six feet. So <laughs> now I hit a, I hit a two hybrid, and 
Yeah. So that's, I believe that we were, he was kind of making a joke. He was ribbing Ramon pretty heavily this entire round, as you can imagine. I mean, Ramon was drawn back with him and everything. So I think Ramon said something, something to him like, man, that was a great seven iron. Thinking, you know, Heath had like a four iron there. And Heath's like, nah, just a six, which kind of blew everybody's mind. Um, but yeah, you were talking about four. And you know, the, where the pin is on that right side on the down slope of that bowl is crazy. And, you know, to make it even harder, you know, this hole, it's kind of risk reward where if you have a person hit a drive really, really long, they can kind of take the left side of the trees and go over, but you got to carry it about 265. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it kind of brings the left side into play. Um, or your other option is kind of just hitting a five iron to a hybrid just down the fairway, having like 130 in. But there's a tree that sits at the end of the fairway uh, on the left side that kind of blocks you out if you're really anywhere from middle to left side of the fairway. So you're hitting from the right side of the fairway into a right sided pin that has this huge upslope and then a hump in front of it. You said 20 feet. And I, and I was thinking that that's probably about as close as what you could get on that hole. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you were anywhere, that, if you're anywhere right at the pin, it's going to, I mean, it's, it's way off the green. Uh, in fact, just putting it, I mean, if you're, I mean, it, it would be hard to keep it on the green coming from the left side um, because once it crests that ridge and comes down toward the pin, it's just, then it's like a ski slope down toward the pin. And if you don't make mm -hmm. it, it's, it's off the green. Um, but it's, it's a fun challenge. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of for mm -hmm. sickos, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's it's not something you'd want to do on a daily basis by yourself playing around ball. You end up pulling all the hair out you have and then right. ripping your scalp off because it's so frustrating. I mean, you know, there like you were saying on sixteen. I mean, that pin really. The you said that you guys hit a fifty foot putt from behind, and that's you know you could really that's the only place that you had an opportunity to even make putt. And even that putt right there. I mean, if you hit it what, six inches past the hole, it, it goes down into that ravine that leaves mm -hmm. you a pretty impossible chip. Um, so good on Tim to make that putt. I mean, that's that's an incredible putt. I, I imagine you guys were like almost, if it's 50 feet, like almost to the back of the green or? It was pretty close back there, yeah. I mean, we were pretty excited, but I think at that point we had a few holes left and we, we kind of knew our fate. Uh, yeah, Tim showed out a little bit. He made that one. He made a chip in from over the green on five, um, which was pretty impossible. And uh, yeah, little, little, wow. little little flopper. And he he was our first uh, the guy that was you know our first player that we had that was hitting shots. So that was that was pretty fun. But it was it was it was fun at times. Zach, I'll admit um, there was some frustration in our group. Um, you know, the fact is is that the uh, I guess in twenty twenty the the FWGA started pairing up. Uh, fivesomes with another fivesome. And if anyone's listening that hasn't played in, in something like this, uh, 10 guys playing golf together is a lot of guys playing golf together, which equals long ground. And, and mm -hmm. we had about a 20, 20 minute, 25 minute weather delay in the middle, in, in the middle of the round. So not counting that we're talking about a seven and a half hour round. And the unfortunate part is, is, uh, you know, I think a lot of guys enjoy playing golf. They're good with the five hour round, even like a five and a half. I think, I think in the past, I remember this being about five and a half hours. Um, we're doing, you're, you're, you're talking about pretty much a nine 30 to six 30 or seven day. It, it kind of, and it's really hard to get a rhythm. You're waiting all the time. 
um, whether it's the green to clear, the next tee to clear, or just the guys in your group to to hit all their shots, it can be kind of frustrating to get, um, you know, and maybe this is my crutch. I'm a fast player. I'm like Matt Jones. I like to get up there and I'm just, I, I it's how I establish my rhythm is that I'm, I'm quick. And so this is the opposite of that. Um, I, I don't, I guess I understand why the association made that call for accountability. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was anything that stood out prior to 2020 where there was an issue. I don't really know, but this, this could be a deterrent for some people not wanting to play. And I would understand. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I also struggle with the eight hour rounds. Uh, it's a fun event. I love it. Um, and it, it probably would have been somewhat different if the weather wasn't so trashy. I mean, eight hours mm-hmm. and 20 mile an hour wind of, you know, sometimes raining, sometimes not mostly cloudy and like 50 degrees is just not, not to mention the fact that, you know, like you said, you know, you're waiting 10 minutes to hit each shot almost. And, you know, it's impossible to get a rhythm. I, I don't remember anything prior to them making them 10, 10 sums. I don't remember any scandal. I don't remember hearing anything that would have made that uh, happen. Uh, I do remember 2020 being a, a long round as well. And you and I were kind of discussing last year and I can't really, I, I think we played 10 sums and I can't really remember it being as bad, but the weather might've been, it, this might be a weather dependent thing on the long round. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, it, it certainly could be a deterrent. It's a great event. It's, it's super fun. The golf course, it's, it's an experience playing golf that you probably won't get, you know, in other tournaments, obviously. Um, but they, eight hour rounds are kind of difficult. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's a long time to be that's out there. And like time. you said, I mean, you know, a lot of people have families and stuff like that. And it, it becomes, you know, difficult to, you know, especially with kids to, to be able to talk, you know, your wife or your significant other to, to be able to be gone for that amount of time. I mean, when they're expecting a normal round to be four hours and you're gone for double that. So I, it, it's, it's funny you say that Zach, because, uh, I, I, my, my wife and I, we, we kind of joke. Um, she thinks every time I go into play into a, a tournament, whether it's three rivers or FWGA, there's, there's going to be a weather delay and mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to cause me to be gone six hours. And so when I had to text her and I said, you'll never believe it, we're in a weather delay. And she said, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Hey man, I can't control everything. I can't control the weather. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was, it, that's, that's one of the tougher, uh, tougher points to make about this, this thing is it's, you mentioned it last week. It feels sort of like the unofficial start of the season going back. I've played this event a long time. I know you have as well. So it's, it's one people look forward to, and it's, it's kind of a bummer that maybe there was a sour taste in some people's mouths because of that. Um, so we'll kind of move on past that. Congrats to, the uh, Rory, Heath, Evan, uh, Ryan, and Kyle team for shooting 57, winning by two, though. Um, awesome golf. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you got to see it firsthand uh, so they can stick it to you, Zach. Yeah, it was a pleasure, honestly. <laughs> I mean, and, and on top of that, I just wanted to say, I didn't mention, but every single one of those guys is as nice as can be and no arrogance whatsoever while going out there and thrashing. <laughs> the golf course that was playing unbelievably difficult in that weather, you know, having all the fun in the world. And yeah, it was just, it was a pleasure. It was fun. Uh, Thursday last week and NFL draft started 
finished up Saturday. We were just talking before we went live that didn't see a lot of it um, mm-hmm. Saturday, but I, I know I followed it quite a bit the first two days. I, I know you said you did as well. You being a mm-hmm. Colts fan, uh, any takeaways from the Colts draft? Uh, I really don't mind the Colts draft at all. You know, obviously it still stings a little bit when you think about not having a first round pick for Carson Wentz, but you know, if you can get past that, you know, and realize that doling on it or doting on it's not going to help you any. I think the pick of Alex Pierce was good. Um, we need somebody, another receiver. We need somebody. Um, uh, the safety that they traded in, uh, they're saying was a pretty good steal. Um, you know, I was, I was actually kind of, you know, Colts aside and all that, I was interested in kind of what the Lions did and, mm-hmm. you know, really what I thought they didn't pay a whole lot to move up from 32 to 12. I, I didn't, I didn't think it was really all that much. And, yeah. you know, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of that receiver, but, you know, I like, I like what Dan Campbell's doing. I kind of like his attitude and I like how he's being aggressive. And I, I think that, that's what that team has to do to to someday get out of the doldrums and they may be able to do it. But at the same time, boy, did you see the picture of that kid uh, holding up his Detroit lions Jersey did not look happy whatsoever. Which one? Um, Williams, I believe oh, James, is, is Jameson? the wide receiver. Yeah. 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 Look, if you got your computer up, look that up. Cause it's okay. pretty stark. Like, like he's uh he does not look happy. You got you got uh, Hutchinson over there looking just yeah. happy as can be, and uh, yeah, this, he he does not look happy. But uh, yeah, I thought they had a great draft. The Jets had a really good draft. I mean, to too. have that, I think it's Jermaine Johnson followed them at like twenty six and then moved mm-hmm. back in. It's a lot of these teams that I, what I kind of found most interesting is a lot of these teams that we seem to be able to make fun of during draft day. I don't really think we can do that this year. So I'm interested to see what, what's going to happen. What do you think about the bears? Yeah, for sure. Just to echo about the lions. I know I would, I, I wish Johnny was, was here to kind of talk about James Williams. We talked a little bit about it on Saturday and I know as a lions fan, he was excited about it. And and I said, you know, coming back from an ACL, you don't know the timeline. The timeline is so different than it used to be. It used to be just a flat year injury. Now with, te- you know, medical technology, the way it is, it seems like guys can get back seven, eight months. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if the right play is to try to play him week six, week eight, whatever, when it feels like he's ready or, or maybe just shelve him and make sure he's healthy going into the following season. But he was a guy that could have been a top five pick easily. I think he was the best receiver in the draft before his injury in the championship game. So I get going after it, but yeah, it's one of those where if, if he's great, it's a great pick. If he's subpar, mm-hmm. then it's one of those that might be looked back on in a couple of years. I do, I do like the Dan Campbell uh, situation. I make fun of him a lot mm-hmm. um, because he's a good quote. He's a funny quote. But I, mm-hmm. I do think he's moving the team in the right direction. Um, the Bears, unfortunately, didn't have a first-rounder because of mm-hmm. the Justin Fields trade from last year. So that's it, it, it was what it – you know, it's just one of those situations where – that's fine. Um, so they had two second rounders. They they bolstered their secondary. They got a cornerback from Washington who I th- believe could come in and potentially be a starter right away, and then a, a safety as well. So it's it's not the the fun, sexy picks of like a receiver or a quarterback or, or whatever, but uh, they definitely needed depth on the defensive side of the ball. They picked up a, a wide receiver in the third round from Tennessee, who's he's 25 already though, mm-hmm. um, but 
it's one of these burners that runs a four three forty, and and maybe he'll be a returner, maybe a gadget guy. I don't really know, but I still have some concerns that they didn't do enough on the offensive line to help Fields. They didn't really pick up a ton of weapons for him. Um, you know, going into the draft, the Colts and the Bears easily probably had two of the five worst receiving core in the league, and I, I the Bears mm-hmm. are probably still there. Um, so I, I I do have some concerns, but. Um, you know, this this is just a rebuilding situation, and the GM, the new GM, doesn't want to say that, but that's what it is. And uh, but the Colts, I'm I'm interested. I did like uh, I did like the kid out of Cincinnati, the receiver you mentioned. I think that mm-hmm. was a nice play for them to 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 give them another weapon uh, for Matt Ryan. I, I know I make fun of uh, the Colts for for going after him a little bit, but I I think he's a clear upgrade over Wentz, and I think he gives a better better chance to make the playoffs and win games next year. So. Looking forward to that. Uh, see how that pans out. Um, last last thing before we get into this week's tournament, John Rahm won the Mexico Open. We talked about it last week that we probably wouldn't see much of it. I saw a few holes on Sunday. I saw him close it out. I did end up betting him. Luckily, I know Johnny bet him too. We were both on him. You weren't, which was understandable considering the mm-hmm. number. Um I would never go after that normally, but I did. I parlayed it with a couple of NBA games from last week, and luckily those those ones. So I, I doubled the number, close to plus seven hundred. And uh, I don't think he played great. I think he had probably had his B game. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't. It, 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 it's that same situation where he didn't necessarily putt great, uh, especially over the weekend. But I think he needed the win. And I don't know about what you think, but I think he just needed the win. It's been almost a year since the U.S. Open. I think he needed something good to happen going into the next couple majors at the mm-hmm. PGA Southern Hills and, and the U.S. Open. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we we both know that golf is a game of roller coaster ups and downs. And I mean, you know, getting that win will help his confidence. And you know, I don't I don't think he's a guy that struggles with confidence to begin with. At least it doesn't seem like he does. Um, but you know, to get that win, moving towards moving towards the PGA and, and the rest of the majors, I think that that could be really, really big for him. Um, I had money on Cam Champ, and you know, it, it looked good for me. And he kind of just did what he does and, and didn't put it all together the final round. Um, I also had a little bit of money on Patrick Reed after the first couple rounds, and then he goes out and shoots four over the last day. So. Um, you know, it almost seemed like Patrick Reed was going to have back and I was actually going to be able to, you know, use him again without looking like a complete fool. And he shoots me down again. So I didn't really watch a whole lot of the tournament, but nice to see Rom win again. I mean, I, I don't, I don't hate it all seeing front runners, runners win. I, I'd like to see history made. So, I mean, if John Rom wins every major from here until you know, 2035, I would be fine with that and happy to see it happening. You know? So, yeah. but the, 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 the top of the, the world golf rankings, I think is so interesting right now. I mean, we talked about Scheffler being on the hot run. He's been on Rom now back to number two, Morikawa still up there. I was looking at um, a status on Twitter 
of the top 12 in the world right now, Rom's got the highest winning percentage in his career. He wins almost 10% of his starts. Um, I was kind of blown away by that. I mean, Tiger set the bar at around, mm-hmm. I think it was over 20%, and that's that's mm-hmm. just stupid for a golf to win one out of every five golf tournaments. But Rom winning almost one in 10 of his golf tournaments is, you know, I think it's underrated. Um, and really, he probably could have won more. He should have won the Memorial last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, at the Tour Championship, he technically had the low 72-hole score with, you know, the, the staggered start. Uh, so we could be talking about a couple more wins, but that's, you know, he's a couple percent higher than Rory, DJ, uh, higher than Morikawa right now. So I think him winning goes a little bit under the radar. Um, I think it's exactly what it needs going into the PGA, though, at, at Southern Hills. It feels like a golf course that should fit his game, uh, especially with – I think it's going to be playing closer to a U.S. Open setup. Um, I think especially the PGA's the last few years, they've been more of like the U.S. Open. Um, going back to the one at Beth Page when Brooks won, that was a U.S. Open setup. So I think it favors him. Um, speaking of Southern Hills, you see Tiger was out there scouting. I did. I was actually just going to say that. Did you see the tweet that has been attributed to Patrick Reed's team? You know, this is my favorite Twitter follow. So yes. <laughs> okay. So I, I was eating lunch today and uh, was perusing through Facebook and that kind of came up and it's weird. It's like, you know, he's been taking shots at Tiger the last few years and it's the oddest thing to me because I thought he and Tiger were buddies and you know, I, if I, I if I'm quoting his comment correctly, and again, I guess I'm saying him, but it's attributed to someone in his team, so I have no idea if it's actually accurate or not. I mean, the the strong rumor is that it's his wife, Justine. Okay, so and she's been she she has no problem speaking her mind about you know issues that probably should stay between the players, right. uh, but um, yeah, said something to the effect of. Must be nice to be Tiger Woods to be getting notes from the pro, which, you know, then I read some of the responses and I believe that multiple pros were like, anybody can go there and do that. It's mm-hmm. it's just that Tiger actually like takes the time to do it. Obviously, he's not playing other tournaments or preparing for other tournaments. So he has that luxury. I just, I guess, I don't know. For the first time, and maybe not the first time, but I'm starting to not really like Patrick Reed like everyone else. And I just, it's a weird feeling because I always try to defend him. Well, you know, I think we've talked about it here that he plays a style that's so different than most of the modern tour these days. And mm-hmm. it's if he was more likable, it would be fun. He's actually fun. I like watching him play because mm-hmm. he, gets it, he gets it done in a completely different way than the ROMs and the Rory's and the DJs get it done. It's, it's, it's completely opposite and it's fun to watch, but you know, he just, the stuff with this Twitter files, you know, the, the, the thing at Tory Pines last year with uh, the drop and things that it's just, it, it, it pulls all this negativity toward him and it, it pulls away from the focus from his golf game and how he plays golf. Um yeah, but the, the the tiger thing, I I know I I expressed some concern after the Masters that it was I didn't love watching him over the weekend. It it kind of felt sad to me in a way. The first two days were fun. It was exciting, and 
like, oh my God, he's here and he's in the top 20. And then Saturday and Sunday, it was kind of like, oh man, he's really struggling to walk and do, do we need this? Does he need to do this? And then now after I saw this early in the week, all right, I'm, I'm back in, I'm back in. Mm-hmm. I know what I said a couple of weeks ago, but if, if he's there because he thinks he can compete and um, I really, truly think this is a progression to him, uh, you know, going to St. Andrews for the open. Mm-hmm. I, I think it all leads to that because I think in his mind, that's the one he has a legitimate chance to win. He's mm-hmm. won there twice. It's, it suits his game. It's the easiest walk physically. Um, and these opens kind of fit older players because it, you know, experience on links courses, um, it just kind of evens out the playing field. So I, I feel like this is all a journey to the St. Andrews and, uh, and the final major of the year. That's my thought. So on Tiger, are you thinking that let's, let's talk about Augusta here. Are you thinking that, you know, eventually his leg is going to get to a point where you can handle walking Augusta four days, or are you thinking that, you know, it may be where his legs permanently damaged enough where maybe Augusta is going to give him trouble forever? I don't know because I don't I don't know if I don't know enough about his situation to know if this mm-hmm. is just where his strength is going to come back slowly. We know Tiger will work harder than anyone to yeah. get get that back if that's the case, and maybe it is. Maybe it's strength and stamina will come back in time. Um, I that was, my initial gut reaction from a couple of weeks ago was just like, oh man, do I want to see? the greatest player of our generation struggle and shoot 76s. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I wanted to see that. And and Tiger has proved us wrong countless times before. So I'm hoping he count, you know, proves us wrong. I think the other thing that we forget though, is like the, the leg issue now, but the back, uh, I mean, the back yeah. is still, he still had a fused back that everything you heard about that from a couple of years ago was that wasn't a long, long term uh, viable solution. Um, you know, that it was just a few years, not 15 years. Um, so I think people forget about that now with the leg, but I mean, it's multiple, uh, body parts that we're talking about that has had major, major surgery or, or what have you. Um, but it's tiger and he's not human at times and, uh, agreed. But I think we can fully expect him playing the PGA now after seeing him (laughs) out of Southern Hills. I mean, I think he'll probably play all four. <laughs> it seems like that. I mean, yeah. it might just yeah. be all four and then doesn't play anything else. Which would be, I think, ideal, at least, you know, for this year. Um, I'm going to the Memorial in June. Um, I'm taking taking my two boys there, so it'd be great if you'd show up at the Memorial. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my my oldest son would he would love it if we could somehow see him, but I don't expect him to be there. Um, I, I think I think the four majors was probably it this year. Maybe we'll see some sort of slightly expanded schedule next year. I don't know. The memorial would be one that I would put my money on if he was going to play one. Other than the majors, the memorial would certainly yep. be one. Yeah. All right, Zach. This week, um, it's a better field than last week. Um, the top of the board is still a little, uh, it's a little weak. Um, but this tournament, I think we referred to, we talked about it a little bit last week that it's, it's not at its traditional site, which would be quail hollow, um, because the president's cup is there. Um, so they're playing this one at TPC Potomac, um, 
I think its last year that it hosted the tournament was 2018, hosted the Quicken Loans. Uh, Francesco mm-hmm. Molinari won that one. But uh, everything I've seen about this golf course, and I, I couldn't remember it from years a few years ago, is that um, it's it can be kind of tough. It's it's par seventy, um, difficult driving, tighter fairways, um, and there's a lot of forced layups off the tee where you'll have a lot of mid to long irons and a lot of mm-hmm. approach shots over one seventy five. Um, but uh, I, I from what, it sounds like it's more of a grind than your typical PGA tour course. Um, of course, Molinari won at 21 under. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. correct, but Kyle Stanley won this in 2017 and he was only seven under when he won. So you mm-hmm. have kind of the variance there back to back years of really low scoring and tough scoring. Um, I don't know. So anything you're looking at, I know, I know last week you mentioned you're kind of looking at guys that are in form. Is there any skill set that you like this week that would fit this golf course? This would be a Zach well, Fitzgerald course, I think. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, for it's still a little long for me, but for for these guys, not so bad. Short for these guys, so at seventy one hundred and seven yards, par seventy. Short for these guys, sixty uh, two's course record, shot in two thousand eighteen by Streelman, Answer, and Molinari. So not guys that hit the ball a long way. So like you said, accuracy off tee is key. Uh, long irons. Um, I guess you know. Coming into uh, a course that, you know, they haven't played for, what is it, five years now? Um, Not necessarily something that anybody's familiar with. Nobody necessarily has an advantage. Um, Yeah, I'll be looking at guys in form. um, And, and, you know, it it seems like there's been a run of guys that are kind of at the top of the board that have been winning. So, you know, is it time for a guy in the middle to maybe come up? So I I got a couple guys in in the 50 to one range that, that I really like that I think could have an opportunity this week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm probably also going to look at those guys from 2018 form or not, because mm-hmm. if they were comfortable at the course at that time, you know, it, it obviously suits their game. So that that's kind of how I'm looking this week. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I, I know this people that listen probably like, uh, you guys say this every week, but um, ball striking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's it's such a like oh no shit. I want guys that can hit the ball straight and they can hit a bunch of greens. Um, but there's certain courses where if it if it's tighter off the tee, I mean, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want a Jonathan Vegas who might spray it mm-hmm. and um, you know he can hit the ball a mile, but it doesn't matter because he's going to be in trouble. Um, so I do I do want guys that are accurate. Uh, you know, 65% fairways found off the tee mm-hmm. and that can excel with their mid to long irons. I know it's a very specific skill set, but um, I have, I have one guy very much in mind who's hurt me quite a bit the last year um, that I'll talk about that. I like that just feels like a fit. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the, the skill set I'm looking at this week. And uh, um, you know, I think we, we mentioned it guys that are, inform or th- that's a no-brainer guys that just mm-hmm. played last week and played well like a tony Finau, like mm-hmm. who shot 64 on sunday of course you would look at him again and as, if his number makes sense then that's not it, it's not necessarily a bad bet um that always plays plays into this betting notion where you want to look at guys that finish well play them the next week as well um so we mentioned at the top 
one elite player is here um, as far as top 10 player, Rory. Um, similar to last week with Rom, except he's not as drastic as a favorite. He's at plus 850. Uh, Connors at 16 to 1 is next um, on DraftKings. We've got a, a few guys at 20 Fitzpatrick, Leishman, Hatton, and Henley. 25 is Power, Tony Finau, Cam Young. Uh, Cam Young's at 28, Max Home at 28. King and Bradley is under 30 to 1. Uh, that might show you where the field strength lies um so same question as last week except we're gonna exchange john around with rory mcelroy last time we saw rory he was setting the uh setting the masters on fire on sunday um but as a few weeks ago rory does this thing where he teases us and the next time he shows up he misses a cut uh do you like rory mm-hmm. this week uh not at that number um I, obviously i like rory but you know i'm gonna have to see rory win a tournament before i'm gonna bet him at, at- his number that he's at right now it just doesn't yeah it doesn't make sense i mean you did well at at your bet with rom this week um but are we gonna have two favorites win two weeks in a row i mean the odds of that are are pretty unlikely so for me in this in this range you mentioned him already i like finau in this range shooting 64 the last day playing well um i like homa in this range um, you know, when Homa is, is one of the top guys, he seems to, to play up and, and I haven't, you know, I know that we want him that we had a win at 6,500 for him, but you know, you, you did, <laughs> we were a collective, right? Right. Um, so yeah, I like him. Uh, and then young, I don't necessarily know. A winner. I mean, he could do it, but I think he's had three top threes uh, this year already so far. So as a top 10 pick, I mean, you're getting pretty good odds for him there. Uh, in that in that range, that's kind of who I really like. I, I was looking at Cam Young at 28 to 1. Last time we saw him, he finished third at the RBC. Um, yeah, he, he kind of feels like in that Scotty Scheffler realm before he won, like, okay, he's got a bunch of top fives, top tens. He's got... He's super long. He's got a ton of talent. He's probably going to win at some point. It's going to be this week. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't necessarily know if it's the perfect fit, but it could be. Um, Fino, yeah. I mean, he. I mean, he was so good. T to green this week. Um, number one strokes gained T to green. So he, you know, finished T two even with a subpar putting week. And I think we said it mm-hmm. last week that his his play the last few months really wasn't as bad as it looked on paper. It just wasn't making putts. Um, you know, I, I think you could easily make sense of betting fee now at 25 to one. However, my guy that I'm going with, and it's a little low, actually it's a lot low. And I, I think I've made, I made fun of him at the masters or DraftKings for pricing him so low as Russell Henley at 20 to one. This just feels like a, mm-hmm. a perfect course fit for Henley. Um, T to green, he's third in this field uh, behind Rory and Luke List. Uh, so he's just he's one of the better iron players on tour. Statistically, not just this season, he's number one in strokes gained approach, but he's he's been one of the better iron players the last two years uh, going back. Uh, you know, I think it was at the Wyndham last, last fall. I bet him, and he led the whole tournament, and – on the 72nd hole, he misses a seven-man playoff. Um, 
So that was a heartbreaker. I've had him on countless first round leader bets and he's one shot away and needs a birdie to tie on the last hole. And he just never, never comes through for me when I need him to. So, but I, I think I'm going to try my luck and take him at 20 to one. And maybe he's a little bit lower on another book. I haven't looked yet, but that's, that's, that's what I'm looking at there. I also semi like Keegan at 28, but I don't, I don't think I could bet Keegan at 28 to one doing anything, mm-hmm. um, even in a bad field. But I, I, I mean, he he really is an elite ball striker. Um, he's just so bad with the putter. And you want to talk about a guy that was affected by, um, I think it was in 2015 when the putting, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the long putter got banned. Um, man, what what a, what a switch on his career because we're talking about a top 30 player in the world, one of the young up-and-comers, and that really flipped his career around. So if you want to look at something, a moment in time that just kind of like, man, what could have happened if that hadn't happened to Keegan? I don't know. Yeah, that, that putter band really hurt him and Adam Scott both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. both of them. Yep. 35 and above, up to 50 to 1. Sergio, Gary Woodland, Abe Answer, Troy Merritt at 35. Paul Casey is back at 35. I think the last time we saw him, he was injured. 40 to 1, we have Siwoo, Patrick Reed, Keith Mitchell, Seb Straka. And then at 50, Jason Day, Webb Simpson, Kuchar. Your boy Kuchar, man, he's played his way from like 150 to one back down to the 50 to mm-hmm. one. And I think the last time he played, he uh, contended at RBC. So are you mm-hmm. in on Kuchar? 100%. Uh, <laughs> no I have doubt. been in on Kuchar since we started this. So true. I believe that I made a comment about top 10 is his house and he was just on vacation. So I'm, I'm hoping that he uh, comes back and and does this. Uh, you said a name and I, I missed it completely in my prep, but. What is Merritt doing at that number? What what am I missing here? Why is Merritt at that number? Yeah, I guess I didn't really notice it either. Troy Merritt at 35 to 1. Why um, is he there? I'll take a look at that while we're talking. But yeah, that's but it's not a neighborhood that he's normally residing in for sure. No, I mean, is this like I don't know. I know he's I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, in this group, I like to answer uh obviously. Anybody that has a course record feels comfortable at the golf course. So, you know, at 35 to one, I don't hate that number. Um, but I like Day, Simpson, and Kuchar at 50 to one. Um, I think all three of them could win. Day has been playing better and, you know, uh, previous number one. So if, if we're betting on potential here, which, you know, I tend to do at a detriment a lot of the time, um, I really think that those odds are fantastic for all of them. I mean, you can get both of them at four and a half to one on a top 10. And I don't really think that that's terrible odds at all. I couldn't find any top 20 or top 40 numbers on DraftKings um, prior to coming on here. So I don't have any of that, but um, yeah, at that number, I, I like day Simpson and Kuchar. I think that those are, are really, really good value bets. Um, for wins and for top tens. I'm with you on web for sure. Um, it does feel like a potential web layout and, and course fit when you're talking about accuracy off the tee, uh, damage with your irons. Two years ago, 2020, 
when the COVID break happened, they came back. Webb was one of the best iron players in the world. Now I know he's had some injuries. He's fallen off a little bit, but uh, five, 50 to one is a good number there on him. I don't see, I, I don't see eye to eye with you on Jason day necessarily. And that's fine. The Troy Merritt thing. Zach, the only thing I can see is that he's, he had a 12th and a fourth uh, in two of his last three starts. He's, he's been playing okay golf, but I think he should probably be in that 50 to 60 range. Um, if it were me pricing him out. Um, no one else there that I love. Uh, I, I liked Woodland last week. He played okay. Mm-hmm. Answer missed the cut. He doesn't seem to be playing great right now. So it's hard to, f- we, we, this is our favorite range, both of us, but I think mm-hmm. we both kind of look at the the end of that range at 50 to one for a couple of guys, uh, 60 to 80. We have Joel Damon at 60 Vegas. I talked about him earlier at 65, Brian Harmon at 65, Gim at 65, uh, Streelman, Glover, Aaron Rye, who was at the top of the leaderboard quite a bit last week and CT pan at 80, Denny McCarthy, Adam Long, Matthias Schwab, Dylan Fratelli at 80. Field starts to drop off a little bit there. Um, I think Joel Damon had a decent run here in 2018, but I'd have to verify that. Um, I'm not, not 100% on, sure on there. Um, anyone here that you like for any capacity win, top five, top ten? Uh, I like Rye. I mean, he's been playing well, not not to win. I don't think anybody at, at this number is going to win, but this is where I think you get good value in the top tens and normally top 20s, but uh, top tens on these. I mean, I like Rye. Um, you know, Streelman, top 10 for, for seven to one is not bad. Um, good course history here. Um, so at, at that number, I actually like a couple guys at the higher numbers for, for a top 10 that really could bring some value here uh, that we'll get to talk about here in a little bit. But at those numbers, those are the two that I like. Um, I would, I, in that range, I'm kind of with you on Rye. He's had three straight top 30 finishes. Um, He was pretty much a fixture up top 20 all week at Mexico. Uh, Brian Harmon, someone that I've been betting semi-regular not with a ton of successful results but i kind of like his game here um at this golf course he he won this tournament in 2017 it just wasn't at this golf course um so it's not necessarily uh a direct correlation but i like Harmon as a guy that gets the ball in the fairway and can can make some birdies um can get pretty hot with the putter um denny mccarthy i always I always bet and lose with him. Mm-hmm. I don't. Me I don't too. know. He's just one of my guys. That, like mm-hmm. he's he's you know statistically the best putter on tour. Uh, his ball striking can get kind of kind of off at times though. Hundred and one and higher. Um, you said you had a couple guys. I do. Um, so Alex Smalley has been playing well. Uh, you, you probably were you going to speak about Alex Smalley as well? No, I just like him, and I think I mentioned yeah. him early in the season. Yeah, you did absolutely. So you know, I kind of when I saw his name, and then I have been looking at previous tournaments. He's been playing pretty well, and yeah. you can get him for nine to one at top ten. So I think that's good odds. Um, at a golf course like this, I don't mind Stewart Sink. You know, he's a guy that we don't talk about a whole lot, but 
I feel like Stuart we do. Stuart Sink. Well, <laughs> I feel like we do talk as... about him. Well, I talk about him. Okay. But, uh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, a guy who I kind of think is having slight little resurgence of his career, just not, not a big one, but a slight one. And, you know, to get him at 11 to one, I don't think is bad on a shorter golf course. Um, Ryan Armour is a name that I kind of came across that, that had played well at this golf course previously. And you can get him at, at 16 to one. And then, you know, my, my two guys that I'm kind of always on in this range would be Chapel and Wesley Bryan. You can get them top 10 at, at 20 to one and 35 to one. And then the name that, that I kind of saw down here that, that I like Morgan Hoffman, you know, his story coming back, you know, he missed the cut, I think by one, the last time we saw him play. So, you know, he seems to, you know, he, he had great things to say about, you know, how he felt after that round and, you know, the experience of coming back and everything. So I like the positive attitude. You can get him at 50 to one for a top 10 and, you know, you don't have to put anything special down, but I mean, you know, if he happens to be a top 10, you can be part of a nice feel good story and you know, make a little buck for yourself as well. So yep, uh, those would be the names that I like down there. I do. Yeah. I, I, I am rooting for him as well. Um, I, I, I think, you were on the podcast where Johnny and I were talking about him before RBC. I think you were on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If, if you if you didn't follow a story and if you haven't read it, the Golf Digest article talking about what he's been through, what he's been trying to do the last couple of years is mm-hmm. is really incredible. It's really fascinating. Um, I know he's got I think two starts left on his major medical. Um, he would need something pretty ridiculous to happen, like a top two or three, to really. Mm-hmm give himself a chance to get his card, but worth rooting for, for sure. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Ryan armor play. His, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of Twitter discussion about Ryan armor at this golf course um, at 200 to one or 16 to one for a top 10. Um, so get good find there by you. Uh, I like, you know, I love Luke list um, going mm-hmm. back to farmers and, Again, rates out super well for this golf course. Um, he hasn't really played well since he won in February or I guess late January. So it's it's not something that I would feel great about, but I'll probably take a chance at 130 to one. He's back down in that range where he used to be. Brandon Wu, uh, who shot 64 on Sunday, finished T2. He's at 100 to one, um, 80, 8 to one for a top 10. We so often see guys string together, um, you know, some good play, back-to-back good finishes. So I think Wu's maybe a guy I would take a chance on as well. I think that's all I got for this week. There's, um, you know, I I like the Wesley Bryan play. He finished 33rd last week. He was kind of up there for a while. 35-1 to for a top 10. I love these. Mm-hmm. I love these plays. I was kicking myself yeah. because uh, Brandon Hagee, I mentioned him on the podcast last week and he got as high as I think third or fourth. And I'm um, like, damn it. Why didn't I bet him? And then mm-hmm. he, he, he fell off the world the last 12 holes of the tournament. Um, but you can often see one of the two of these guys flash and the top 10 money is as valuable as a win for, for a couple of these guys. Uh, all right, Zach. We've we got it done without our, our friend Johnny here. Talked about the five man little NFL draft, uh, John Rom and the Wells Fargo preview. Uh, appreciate you being here as always, man. Thank you. It was fun, and look forward to doing it next week. 
this week, for real, uh, we'll get our best bets up on Wednesday. Last week, it Absolutely. was really it threw me off doing the show on a Tuesday night, and mm-hmm. I just you know I forgot. I got um, to Wednesday at like nine o'clock, and I was like, man, I didn't send those in, and then. Normally, you send us a text message like halfway through the day, and uh, I hadn't my, heard anything. So, yeah, my timeline got thrown off, you know. So, we'll have our best bets up on Wednesday of this week for the Wells Fargo. We're only a couple weeks away from the PGA, so starting to look forward to that and another major right around the corner. So, uh, thanks for listening yet again, and we'll catch you next week. Go best bet. Go best bet.